Welcome travelers from the winding trails Grab a spot by the hearth and a pint of ale A brief respite from our noble quest Lean back in a chair for the song of rest Hello travelers and welcome to the song of rest a place where our heroes and the deities that guide them gather to share a behind-the-scenes and behind-the-screens look at the unfolding adventures in Archipeldia. Gathered before us is the Dungeon Master Aaron Rollins and his band of players, Dustin Bleschmidt, Janelle Wilkie, and Chad Stafford. But I'll let them do the talking, and I'll get back to playing. Welcome, travelers, to the winding tale. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you have to say it really quiet. Wow, my goodness, what a. Ooh. Ooh, what a cliffhanger. Says oh the bird hanging from a cliff. Hey. Well, does it, did anybody else notice everybody get up out of the story arc at the same time? <laughs> you what? What about? Oh, don't know. The barkeep's gonna freak the fuck out again. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh yeah, we're all alone in the story arc. That's creepy. Not creepy at all. And it's canonical this time. <laughs> yeah. Story arc. No, story arc shows up. Barkeep, Rizzy, and Kitan all leave. <gasps> Ooh. I will say to start that I kind of loved that you guys were in different areas. I love that too. It creates very strong visuals in the theater of the mind. I did. I certainly didn't expect everyone to be sleeping in a different place, but it kind of kind of was cool that you could see from in an individual perspectives what was going on around the island. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, the the last cliffhanger, the cliffhanger of the last episode was so intense. Ugh. And we've had quite a long time to think about how we're coping with this. And it's like, it's still, it's like, it's so sensitive. It's such a hard thing for us to find a solution to. Yeah. And then you throw this in the mix. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the perfect, it's the perfect time and the perfect end because... I feel like right now all three characters feel isolated in a different way. Yeah. Because Flower Kraut feels isolated because she knows a very, in not to bring Al Gore into this, but a very inconvenient truth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that she is holding that burden herself, and I'm sure that's very isolating feeling. Timothy is also trying to keep something from somebody who is becoming very near and dear to him. Also, I think having all of the other Kenku want to leave also feels isolating as, oh no, everyone's going to leave again. Uh, and then Sherman feeling isolated about the whole cursed sword problem. Or being the lost to pal. Yeah, lost with pal, which uh, and that 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 too, like that. I'm so I was so that moment where you paused, like it was so cinematic in my brain where you paused as you know Bernice is running towards the ship on you know she has a clear path, and then Sherman just having this quiet moment to himself, like, oh no, what if nobody knows? Like that was oh my goodness, there were so many like really sincere moments for each of these characters like you said like 
Of course, I forgot yeah. about my own isolation thing there. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for reminding me. No, like, it was so good. It was so uh, good. There were so many really good character moments. Like, I I give theater claps to every single one of you. Yes, that's awesome. Soft little theater claps so that they don't blow out the mic. Oh, yeah. Good claps. I like how as I was uh, going over the uh, the ingredients again with uh, with Janelle, in what form they would take for this potion. Because um, it's like, you know, you, you you put the camera on Flower Crowd as she's trying to think about how this potion goes together. And then when I talk about the Kenku heart, the the face on Flower Crowd's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, um, <clears throat> that's right. There's another part to this. And, you know, like... <laughs> It was just funny how you reacted in character to just thinking about the fact that the Kenku heart has to go into it. And mm. so, yeah, uh, just, I love just that. Some, uh, some organs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just some casual organs. Does, doesn't belong to any particular race. Uh, like uh. Some Baba Yaga stuff. You, you know how it is. Timothy and Harisha are like, putting the pressure on to be like, okay, uh, you know, what else does it take <laughs> can, to get this thing done? Can you make it now? Yeah, let's do it right now. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, that was like for com comedic sense, you know, because obviously Timothy doesn't know, I know. So it's just like, yeah, what else you need? <laughs> it was very much an and then. Like they're trying to help. They're, they, it's like they want to resolve this as quickly as possible. <laughs> yes. And Flower Crowd's like, I need to get this last ingredient, but it's well, like. As soon as you said it involves something to do with Brandy, Timothy's like, I'm out. I'm good. <laughs> Tell us, Flower yeah. Crowd. <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Flower Crowd is just absolutely terrified about the, like, the, the situation here is already so sensitive between the Crackle and the Helax. And she does not think there's any way she could possibly ask them to give the heart. So she, in case you can't tell, she intends to steal it, but we'll see. We'll see what happens now that she's possessed. Wouldn't be the first time she's done that, huh? Oh my God, Califran. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, your moment, Dustin. <laughs> When when you're like, I have a piece too. Hey, buddy, <laughs> I got a piece too. <laughs> oh, you're you're missing what's right in front of you, pal. That's right. He's a stud. Uh, I I, I oh had to gosh. bring a little bit of levity into it real yeah. quick, right yeah. there. That was great. great. That was amazing. <laughs> that totally caught me off, but I was like, oh man, I'm gonna play right into this because so you know, uh, Califran's like. Wait, what? <laughs> you too? And it's something I'm pretty sure he knows. He does know. He, he just whips out his like, his whips out his insignia. Like, ah, geez, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Can't just whip that out at people. <laughs> you gave me, uh, Aaron, you gave me a lot to process immediately during that Bernice walk. Um, <gasps> yeah. When you were like, how's it going? And then I was like, how is it going? Mm-hmm. As worse, as bad as it possibly could go, is like the true answer when you really think about it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the characters have really had too many. There's been two opportunities where they've had or have been in a restful situation, right? One was on the story arc, which that was more of them recovering from. We did we just die? 
And so there was more of just like this general confusion on what to do next. The next time was when we were at the tavern and that was more of we have a job to do and this is like our moment to break. But then we each had like these haunting visions of things that we've yet to deal with. And this potentially was like the first time we had those quiet moments where the internal dialogue kicked Mm, in. Tasty. And suddenly the characters realize, oh, wait. We're not okay. We've just been swept up in all the craziness that we've never had a moment to really consider the ramifications of everything that's going on and what things we personally have been involved with mean. For Sherman, that's, oh, I might be the only person from PAL that knows about this. For Flower Crowd, it's like, oh, this this connection to Baba Yaga has like deeper ramifications. Uh, which could potentially have been good. But in this scenario, uh, she's now, I don't know, maybe she's now slightly under control, which is terrifying to imagine Flowerkraut being against us. Oh, Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to fight (laughs) Flowerkraut. I don't want to be at the raw end of an elderly blast. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, now that I think about it, Flowerkraut, really fucked up which this is this is her character this is what she thinks is the right thing to do she she's trying to be a good person for this mission but she has done like shady things before and this is what she thinks is the best solution but now she is alone she's the only person who knows how to correctly make this potion and she has this information from the hags like that they're going to use a goddamn grub thresher maw and she she's the only person that knows this because she went off by herself so it's like she she is she is really screwing up <laughs> i think it adds so much character to it though like yeah I'm I'm excited to see how we're going to deal with this. Yeah. Flower Crowd has hinted at the fact that she's always she's always taken matters into her own hands. Like this is she's trying to do a good thing, ultimately. But she also appreciates like Timothy and Sherman's innocence. Exactly. Yeah. She's trying to protect them. It's completely it's like completely a uh, 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 despite the outcome, like it was from the perspective of Flower Crowd's character, like it totally makes sense. And you guys might feel that way, but I think it's possible that Timothy and Sherman, if they do find out what's going on, they might even find her silence on it, like very difficult to forgive or even unforgivable. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just interesting to see where this will go. And I, I'm very excited about the story that you've put us in, Aaron. (laughs) I'm going to have to put in like, get some mood lighting for next sesh. (laughs) Some, very dark ambiance something going yeah before i forget to mention it aaron i want to give you absolute props and more uh proper theater clapping for the sequence where flower kraut was peering in on the the hag conclave where all of them were talking and you were bouncing between all the different voices and each of them was absolutely distinct. I knew exactly who each of them were. Me too. And it was so cool because that's like the first time we've gotten to really peer into the hierarchy of like these hags and how they work and the very threatening nature of their relationship that, you know, as as willing as they are to work together, they're just as willing to turn on each other for more power. 
So we know who we're dealing with. Yeah, I feel like, and and I've been stewing on this one for a long time, that up until this point, there hasn't, besides the actual act of bringing down the Prime Star, there has not been an interaction with the big baddies besides Laminaria. And Laminaria was very cut and dry about what she was doing. But the perfect conduit to see into what's going on on the other side is that conch. And essentially what's happening with Flowerkraut is that Laminaria's conch is tied to her tree, which is basically giving her a spyglass into that enclave still. And then that's that's how she was able to listen in, even though you know normally you know Laminaria would have been there herself. So um mm. can can I say I for a second in that scene when they said, oh, we're too close to Baba Yaga. And then there was the laugh. <laughs> I understand that that now, like that is after the second line that you gave, that it was basically what I'm interpreting as the uh, lead hag, which I'm going to guess is the shortest one with the long white hair based on our concept sketches. Is that right? The voice that you heard primarily talking, the lead hag, you had heard her voice in Adristia uh-huh. talking to Sir Lunox up on the ridge. So at first, at first, when you said when one of the other ones said, oh, it's because we're too close to Baba Yaga, they must know something. And then the other one started laughing for a second. I thought they were literally too close to the cage. And Baba Yaga was just laughing like. <laughs> that was you... Baba Yaga laughing. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. was? it was. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. OK, good, good, good. Because I was like, that's. It made me laugh too because yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I am still here." The lead hag's voice that you heard talking because you'd heard her before and saw her as you were hiding on the Dristian, like in the ruins of that building, mm. is the hag with the staff. Yeah. Oh, that's the staff hag. Yeah, not the short hag. I don't know why, but I pictured the the haggiest looking hag being the leader for some reason. Right. Uh. But the staff hag, that's like archmage looking hag, super hag. Yeah, cool. Yeah, she's the one that like talked to Sir Lunox on the island and then she rode her staff like a broom down into the, the Pentagon of, of summoning where they took the Prime Star out. And then a great voice for the uh, giantess. The beefy one. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I am terrified of when that comes up. Oh my gosh, right? And each of their plans, I'm like trying to think like, oh my gosh, what have they done? Yeah, one of them specifically talked about corruption and that their touch would corrupt, which we, we've seen what happens. The other one controlled the seas and the, the fracking. And then obviously the one we're dealing with right now is controlling minds, which is great. Oh, crap. Corruption. Are we going to have some political theater eventually? I'm well, I was thinking the corruption, like when we saw the acid, um, like the acid water. Oh, that too. And then when the, the mountain just started falling apart for no reason, I considered that like a corruption of like some Moana stuff there. Ah. Like the island itself was corrupting. The big beefy one's name was dropped during the conversation. Yes. 
I almost put it in the chat, but then I didn't want uh, sneaky people to catch it before the episode is posted. <laughs> so the big beefy ones was was called Balanus. Oh, I heard that wrong. So I would have I would have been fine. Balanus. Okay. And then Aster was the one, the whispering horned one that you heard talking about this island. So the things that were said, just to kind of recap, of course, this is all flower kraut knowledge at the time currently. Yes. Is that Balanus said Archipelagia's might falls under my strength. And then the shortest hag. Uh, had more of an old woman voice, and she said, Archipelagia's health erodes to my touch. Oh, okay. And and then Aster said, Archipelagia's numbers will beckon to my call, but she said, will beckon to my call. And that's why the main hag was like, wait, what are you, what's slowing you down? And she mentions the bird folk, so you know that Aster has has mentioned this before that there's these people that I can't control. And then the, you know, the, the main hag just is like, well, why don't you just control these adventurers and take the heart for yourself? And she's like, well, I can't do it to all of them. One of them is a Kenku. Mm-hmm. Mm. God, I got to tell you, like when I rolled that, I was so quiet for a really long time. The silence was deafening. And I'm like, I have to tell them I rolled a nat one. That's so bad. To be real, though, it's kind of a cool nat one to roll. It is. <laughs> Narratively. Yeah. It is. That was like the biggest oh fuck I've had. Yes, Laminaria said you wouldn't have a choice. Yeah. The dice have told their story. Oh, it's coming true. Do you guys have any fan art moments that have come to mind? Oh, Lord. Uh, you mean besides the lovely death drawings that uh, one tumbleweed has drawn? <laughs> Tumbleweed's death drawings. I need all of them. No, like I think Janelle was joking that Flowercat was going to be crushed under some boulders, but it, it actually was funny enough that that was one of the drawings, but it was Sherman that was crushed under them. <laughs> <laughs> what which what was flower crow like I, there wasn't one I, okay i joked that she saw a picture of herself crushed under one of the salt pillars because that's what happened yes. in her last episode yes that's right so yeah tumbleweed was definitely trying to show warning that there are traps in raven's outpost for a second i was like creepy crap bag kid is actually Aster in disguise the whole time. No, just kidding. That kid, no way. <laughs> yo. That would be so messed up, yo. Don't even throw that out there. Uh, it, it can't. Uh, it can't be. It can't be. Aaron's just like fi- ferociously writing. Give Fuck. Timothy a little brother figure that just to do that. Terrible story writing. Like, honestly, I, I, I hate it when a story is written just for reactions purposes like mm. you'll never see this coming and it's like and it has no narrative sense or build up yeah because it doesn't make any sense yeah i i hate that too i i, I love that if it has if there are several moments of little foreshadowing that you may or may not pick up on throughout a story i do like that there has to be some sort of foreshadowing that maybe something is off yeah it's good to have breadcrumbs to investigate and like, yeah, I agree, Aaron, having a show that all it wants to do is outsmart the audience and 
come up with the solution that n- nobody has guessed yet. It's just silly. Like, like, okay, here's an example that I hopefully I can use, but if you haven't seen it, then I won't say it. But has everyone here watched The Rings of Power? Eh, no. No. Yes. I watched the first episode. Okay. Well, I'll just say that the twist at the end of it made me very mad because it makes no sense. Oh, boy. It's very confusing. I I was in the same boat. I'm like, how, though? Yeah. And it's one of those plans where you, like, you look at the plan that they had, and you're like, there are so many times that plan could have just been absolutely decimated so easily. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. you risked it for... Th- and I will say this, as being a huge Star Wars fan, you look at, like, the stuff that, like, if Palpatine's the puppet master of everything, you look at it, and you're like, there are so many times, my dude, where your plans could have just been... Eat, right. Done. That whole thing with you on the the ship with Grievous and like Anakin literally like throwing you over his shoulder going down a, an elevator shaft like my dude, don't think you thought this through. <laughs> right. Fine. Right. I'll just build another Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> I'll clone myself. That's it. <laughs> Yoda, you old sponge. Death stars. <laughs> Death stars are old news. What if I make? What if the planet is a Death Star? <laughs> what if we just do lot of, lot of ship? <laughs> lot of ship. What if all the ships are a Death Star, <laughs> and they can just Gundam together into one big ship? That's Dude, a Death Star. I want Gundams in Star Wars right now. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know this will relate to, so much to our target audience, but I know Pretty Little Liars was like one of the shows that was notorious for doing that, where it's like it's trying to outsmart everybody and came up with the dumbest, most unsatisfying ending to its thing. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I mean, it it has to at least make sense. Like you have to, especially as a story writer, and this becomes more difficult as a DM because your story changes. Uh, based on player action and everything. You can't just write something and go, here's the twist, you know? Because <laughs> the play, cause the player's like, here's the twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Timothy, sh- a bird man, a dog man, and, an, uh, and a sea witch show up and be like, here's the twist. <laughs> what if we just want to hang out with this horse for four hours? <laughs> <laughs> what if we can't cross a river for an episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's make this horse way more important than it really is. Let's imbue this horse with some godlike power. Right. <laughs> but you have to plan your, I guess, plot twist throughout the whole thing. You can't just go, okay, where are we now? What would be the most unexpected result? Because then you, you have you have to backtrack your story and go, does it make sense here? Does it make sense here? Does it make sense here? You know, and, and likely you're going to run into something that just goes, wait, this falls apart. Well, I'm glad you know? to hear that I can put my trust in Tumbleweed and his scary drawings. Yeah. <laughs> may or may not foretell the future. Are you some yeah. kind of seer, Tumbleweed? Yeah, maybe Tumbleweed's the one that's making the fan art th- this, uh, this, this whole time. session. <laughs> I you guys just don't understand that I'm actually Aster this whole time. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Not Brock. Yeah. Brock the stud. I gave you a studded leather armor that... Uh, those studs, they're actually made of uh, cheese. What <laughs> 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 the fine Sandbox oh. cheese. It's really, yeah. really stinky. 
<laughs> I don't know about oh my uh, God. That, that that hammer I gave you would uh <laughs> So strangely, also cheese. <laughs> that is my fan art moment, though. Is Sherman like going like goo goo eye over a bone sword? Even though he ultimately goes with the hammer, like this, the thought of like this giant bone sword being presented to Sherman, and he's just like, "Oh, I like that." That's that's for the future Sherman, the upgraded high level Sherman, where he's got two swords and a bone sword in his mouth, like a yes. dog. Yeah. <gasps> oh. Yeah, boy. Is that like a, what is it? Like a bloodborne thing or something? The wolf that has the sword in its mouth? That is, yes, yes. It's a oh. pretty cool, it's a pretty cool boss. There's also a character in One Piece that like fights with a sword in his mouth. Yes, that, there's a One Piece one too. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, Dustin, do you have a fan art moment? Um, I think it's a three thing and it's all three faces the moment that they feel the call and it's the different yes. reactions yeah. Dustin I swear I have the same one I wanted to do like a three panel like with a die in the middle or something and yeah it's each person waking like you guys waking up and flower krauts possessed in the middle Just eyes completely glossed over white yeah oh that'd be so awesome yeah you know I mine's kind of the same one like the cinematic nature of when it's good is good cutting to each character seeing what's going on you know like flower kraut starts by seeing the lightning rippling from the mountain down the island sherman sees all of the disciples standing up and just walking off the ship onto the beach and Timothy sees all the Helax getting up and walking out of Oscar's refuge. It's cool cuts, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it could do kind of like a glass shatter effect with uh, with each character's moment happening in that. And way to swing with the punches, Aaron, with the uh, just us separating from each other and like just taking that and running with it. Because if even one of us didn't do one of those things, it wouldn't have been as strong as a visual. But because we... It's so good. Like, it's so good. <laughs> I, that's exactly like I was saying at the very start of this. I was like, it kind of worked out better that way. Um, but what I wanted to talk about is that you guys remember when you fought Laminaria, she asked for the sisters to give her their power, basically access to the heart. Yeah. And, and they were like, nah, fuck you. Well, <laughs> they did give her the power. They gave her a little boost. They gave her a boost. And, and what that did was it enhanced her spells. And that's like when she basically like lightning bolted the shit out of Flowerkraut and Timothy during that fight. Oh God, right? I, I don't I don't remember that. That wasn't the one and <laughs> I, only time Timothy's gone down. <laughs> <laughs> but this was because, the you know, Flowerkraut Flowercraft had just heard that conversation and how Aster asked the same thing. And because she was, you know, you could, you know, that in the early days of Glavio, she was only able to take control of a num small number of people. She asked for this power and then she's cast her control spell on the entire island. And so everyone is, you know, walking that direction. So. Oh. It's just like the Stranger of Power movie. They took the super putty. <laughs> now all the parents are under control. I was thinking about Humpus Bumpus. And when the like the one hag uh, was singing the song and all the children went. <laughs> Humpus Bumpus. That took me a second. <laughs> oh, the come, come little children. 
Humpus Bumpus. Oh, what about a Humpus Bumpus? <laughs> Man, we need to find a cat folk, like, right now. That's the only way we're getting out of this. We need a cat folk and a dead guy. <laughs> we do need a dead guy. We actually, you know what? We do. Yeah. We do need yeah. a dead, dead guy, for sure. Billy, yeah. <laughs> is that you? <laughs> find uh, out the, oh, the that Crackle guard's guard name was Billy. Billy. <gasps> oh, oh, no. It's Billy. You guys said that at the same time. <laughs> Send it. That poor guard's name was Billy. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> what else in this episode can we talk about? Oh, I, Timothy had a couple moments where, like, even when he was alone with uh, Tumbleweed, and also during the last fight where he talked with him with using his voice. And I'm wondering if t Tumbleweed is catching on. I'm so curious to see where that goes. Because And Timothy was saying he couldn't keep up the facade anymore. It was too hard for him. Right. Well, because what, what did Tumbleweed say? Like, he was like, Crackle? And like, Crackle dead? And stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. He was, tr it sounded like he was trying to convey dead Crackle mourning. Oh. Oh. I picked it. I... See, here's me uh, being the passive listener at that moment. I thought he was starting to question whether or not Timothy was a Kenku or not because he had been oh. slipping out. That's a good way to interpret it, though. Yeah, it is a good way. Just from like a character standpoint, I've been purposefully jumping in and out of trying to do character voices to keep up the quote unquote facade um, and then dropping out of it when it's imperative that a proper message is relayed, mostly when we were in combat. Cause it's like, Timothy is not going to, he's been with this voice for so long. He's not going to risk anyone's safety, you know, to keep up this, this performance. So he is, he is dropping it. And there's been a couple of times in conversation that I'll, I'll specifically say that he uses his voice because it emotionally, even though it's been a really short time with these characters um, on this island, I think emotionally he's just not comfortable with lying because that's just something that he's had to deal with most of his life. Like he's had to lie, he's had to steal, he's had to do things that he didn't want to do, which was something that he's still dealing with. And it's hard for him to keep that kind of performance up. He's mostly doing it just out of safety and concern. Like he doesn't it was because we didn't know who these people were at first, but now it's more like, you know, these people are hurting. These people are on the, the precipice of fracturing their society. Like why, why would we keep, why would, you know, why would this performance mean anything at this point? And he, he wants to change and he going backwards feels like a regression in like all the progress he's made to get away from how he used to be. And that's why I was talking. I tried to sneak in a little bit of like, oh, I see something from Tierman because Tierman mm. is the first person that kind of shifted that whole that whole thing. Right. Yeah. Which also begs the question back to Timothy's vision of Aster taking Tierman. You know, was it just a vision? Does she have him? You know, where is Tierman now? Is he still alive? Timothy's probably sat there playing a song thinking all those questions, especially after talking to Sherman about how Bernice has changed and how much, you know, Timothy has changed himself. 
in all in this time. Mm. There's so many little teeny tiny things. Because I almost forgot about I forgot about that little moment until you mentioned it again. Oh yeah, it was from when we all had the dreams back at the inn. And or or just like the when uh Timothy was egging me on to go back to the ship and or egging Sherman on to go back to the ship and I was like, Yeah, she's she's changed. Like little tiny introspective moment that I totally forgot about. Cause Sherman's dream was partly like something one of his actions getting Bernice in trouble if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. and so that kind of that kind of changed the whole way you approached or Sherman approached conversation with Bernice and it was really difficult for Sherman because it went against like how he would normally react not shut up <laughs> well yeah. no like you just had a situation where you lost a bunch of people you probably knew because of the ship mm. you know being attacked so like of course the first person that you see that's like familiar to you you'd be excited but then like that vision made you made Sherman second guess himself so now you're slowly getting to a point with uh Sherman and Bernice's relationship that maybe they can start acting like that and she's even kind of like reminiscing and talking about how things used to be which is really sweet yeah yeah there's a lot of really cute moments in that that short amount of time where Bernice and Sherman are walking back to the ship that I thought was like I just pictured it as an animation in my mind because that's just where my brain goes but it was just really really cute and then like Aaron the way you described like her like like shadowing wrestling yeah shadowing like a a a sherman wrestling match was like really cute and then sherman's response to be like yeah that's when you threw me into a table (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that's when you suplexed me oh my gosh that was great i think we can also look back on sherman's dream and kind of foreshadow that sir leon was still with him yeah (sighs) yeah he won't leave me alone that's true. Oh my gosh. He's in the gem. Maybe that's why he made an appearance in the dream, even though Sir Leon wasn't, or Sir Leon, as we like to call him. Oh shit. Brock has my sword. Oh God. It, guys, it came to be. Remember, a lo- I don't know if it was in a song of rest or if it was in a private conversation, but we literally were like, do not make us fight Brock. I can't stand oh, the idea shit. of Brock going to the dark side. <laughs> and here well, we are. Here it, we are. We keep teasing it. He's he's asked her now. Yeah, it's all coming together. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all coming together. <laughs> it, it, he's going to meet his Yzma, and it's going to be Aster. Oh, Aster's the Yzma. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> oh, the lever, Brock. Wrong lever. Oh, yeah. Anything for you. Oh, this lover right here. Yeah. <laughs> Get on the giant grub, Brock. <laughs> he, he's still he's still so endearing, though. I got, got my junior crackle badge. Chirp, <laughs> uh, chirp, 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 chirp. Uh, squawk, 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 squawk. squawk. Uh, caw, caw, caw. Oh my god! Amazing. Oh yeah, I know what they're saying. Oh, this has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good, what a wonderful session to come back to. Oh, because we've been, I gosh, I don't know. I lost count of how many months we've been sitting on the Kenku Heart revelation for quite a while. So, yeah, this is another fun one to have to stir. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. And I'll, I mean, <laughs> between it's, sessions. No, don't be sorry. This is, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. How dare you do this to us? <laughs> 
Well, like you said, Chad, we're not going to sit on this one very long before we uh, get a recording session up for the next. Yeah, I mean, all we got to deal with is a hag, a giant grub, uh, the entire island being turned against us. What, what's uh, what's not to worry about? It's just Timothy and Sherman against the world. Well, everyone except for the Crackle, right? Because you know that the Crackle aren't affected by her spell. Yeah, Timothy, Sherman, and all the Crackle have to deal with a bunch of bullshit. Can't wait. See you guys there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Flower Crown's like, I'll save a seat. I'll save a seat for you all. <laughs> oh no! Oh wait, Evil. did Brandy is? Does Brandy just follow Flower Crown's uh, decisions because she's a familiar, or did, whatever <laughs> gives her the brains, she's into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like Brandy is definitely chaotic neutral. We we also we haven't really uh, explored that yet. Because uh, you know, if if the spell is hitting everyone on the island, does it affect Brandy too? Shit! Don't familiars feel what like their attachment feels? I mean, Brandy will do whatever Flower Kraut wants Brandy to do. But is Aster more in control of Brandy, or is Flower Kraut more in, in control? I of hope Brandy, Brandy but... just sees the giant slug monster we're gonna have to deal with and be like, "Oh, that's a big bro." <laughs> And just goes. <laughs> Brandy saves the day. It burrows into its skull. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna send her to do that. Oh, I can just see like Brandy burrows into this thing's skull, and it looks like Brandy drops down into like a Power Rangers cockpit and like takes control <laughs> of it. Oh my god! Don't be surprised. It's been a sword. I imagine like Flower Kraut like snaps out of it all of a sudden and just takes Brandy and chucks it right down the throat of this giant worm. We're like, no, what are you doing? Like, don't worry. I've got a plan. <laughs> Go for the brain, Brandy. <laughs> oh my god. Also, it says that Brandy is lawful evil. Oh. <laughs> You're damn right. I like rules and I like brains. <laughs> the rule is I need brains. That's the only <laughs> rule. Whatever gets me the brains. It's like Genie is like, sorry, Al. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy how much happened in this episode with so little dice rolling. Yeah, it was another one of those episodes. Narrative, I mean, uh, roleplay driven Dungeons and Dragons content. I like the improv stuff. I have just as I have just as much fun with that as I do with like when we get into battles and it's more about uh, strategy and and dice rolls. Strategery. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely one very important dice roll. Oh yeah made at the very end of this session. <laughs> I would argue, again, as far as rolling a nat one goes, kind of an epic nat one to roll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it was a gut punch for sure. Just like, shit. I mean, yeah, you translate this from a D&D &D game to like a movie. Yeah, and, which is kind of how my brain auto-translates it anyway. Right, and you just like see Flower Kraut turn her head and her eyes go blank and she just starts walking and the audience is just like oh fuck you know <laughs> like she's got her you know i mean and, and again it's all in the dice like it janelle if you had rolled high you know flowerkraut would have probably been able to shake it off like sherman did yeah i don't think it would have been the same man again that nat one made it that made it so much more like 
insane. Oh. It made the situation very grave. Everyone cancel your plans. We're going into the next episode right now. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the beauty of D&D is just rolling with the dice, you know, like they sometimes are going to tell the story. Well, I hope y'all are enjoying the story so far. We're having fun. Uh, oh, yeah. Give us a listen. Give us a like. Share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies. Share it with your boss like <laughs> I do. <laughs> Turn your enemies awesome. into your friends. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap this one up. Oh, um, sounds good. I know everyone can't wait for the next one. Same here. Suddenly, the story arc is just f- filled with Crackle, and that's it. Just Crackle. <laughs> oh, hold- whoa. Hey, everybody. Oh. Hi there. Hello. Hi there. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy's still here. <laughs> no, 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 Thank you so much for listening to our Song of Rest. If you like the adventures your ears just went on, feel free to listen in on our other adventures from any plane of existence or seeing stone you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, safe journeys, travelers.